good to see you this morning, especially because we've had the time change. I want to tell you, everyone kind of got me so paranoid about the time change, and this is the first time I've gone through a time change. So I was like, and when I walked past the oven, um, the stove, which one do you call it? A stove. Stove. When I walked past the stove, it gave me a shock, but everything else kind of, <laughs> it was like, oh my goodness, church is about to start. It's good to be back with you today. I managed to get my visa stamped, which is really good. Yeah, it was good. Um, when I got, to, when I got uh, into Miami, and I've been to Miami airport. Now, let me tell you, that was more challenging than anything, which is really good. So, I, I mean, I, you guys will help me understand what challenge that would be. When I got to, um, I kind of got to the desk, and he said, you know that I can stamp you for three months or six months or for the whole term. I'm like, no, no, you, I'm pleading with you to stamp me for the whole term, so, which he did. So that is a good thing. So um, your prayers were answered, friends. It's good to continue our Lenten journey. I've missed you. It's good to be back. Um, and let us join together as we come to a time of uh, our call to worship. Would you stand with me, please? Come and worship in wonder and awe. Let us seek the face of God. God invites us to come just as we are. We come longing to experience God's embrace. Wraps us in We come hungry to encounter the word. Feeds us the bread of life. We come parched for renewal and restoration. God quenches our thirst with living water. We come weary and worn. God shoulders our burdens and grants us peace. Come and worship. In wonder and awe, God reveals the divine self to us. We come as we are and are changed by God's love and grace. Give glory to God. Amen. Let us continue in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. One more time. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I switch it up on you guys. Here we go. One, two, three, and put your hands together. Every nation, people from every nation and time. 
We'll sit down and the kids will come on up. We got we got Carrie coming up and her messages are always so fun. Some of the grown-ups might want to come up too. You never know. Nice. Sit so they can see you. Nice. Oh, Pastor Peyton's a kid too. <laughs> like my jug it's kind of it's kind of big I mean um, Tim you want to show them your jug <laughs> it's a little heavy too you want to feel it feel it whoa <laughs> so Tim and I we are avid water drinkers we drink a gallon of water every day right but I was kind of one like I drink tap water like by filter through like that Brita thing, right? 
Um, but I was wondering, I went down the water aisle at Publix. Oh, gosh, this is heavy. And I found a bunch of different waters, like Essence, overachieving H2O. <laughs> I have Life Water. Life Water. Jove, deep hydration. <laughs> Smart water. <laughs> Core, hydration, perfectly balanced, pH. And this one was my favorite, liquid death. <laughs> Mountain spring water, artisan. So Tim's gonna help me, but um, I thought we could do a taste test to see which one really is the most hydrating. So play with me here for a moment. Here, hand out the cups. Okay, which one do you guys wanna try? Which one do you wanna try? <laughs> Liquid death. <laughs> so Miss Payton is gonna hand out some Liquid death. Water. <laughs> I have some, some liquid death here. It says it murders your thirst, so I think it might be very good. <laughs> Tim, do you want some? I'm sorry. I'm ju it's just water. Some wa Are you thirsty? Okay. All right, so go, so go ahead and try it. Try it. What, how would you describe the taste of that water? Good. <laughs> we have good, okay. How would you describe the taste of that water? Did it quench your thirst? Well, let me give it a try here. Maybe, I don't know what you guys see in this water. It has a great mouthfeel. Um, <laughs> Very clean. There's a clean taste about, I would say like, there's a essence of spring, like a, like a note, notes of mountain. There's a mountain note about it. It's very nice. Um, so I have all these waters. Um, but today our scripture actually comes from the Gospel of John. And it's a, it's a great story. So I want us to, to kind of focus now on the story. Um, so it's the woman at the well. So Jesus finds this woman at the well. And she is there. And she has maybe like a jug kind of like this. And she lowers it down into the well and gets a big jug of water. And Jesus comes and said, um, can I get some of that water? And she's like, you don't have anything to put it in. And he's like, oh, I guess you're right. Um, I don't. And she said, you know, I'm here and I'm thirsty and I'm just getting my water. I'm kind of minding my own business, right? And Jesus said, oh, you know, you can get your water, but you're still going to be thirsty, right? And she said, what do you mean? Like, I'm confused. So he said, oh, I have living water. And the living water means that you will never, ever, ever again be thirsty. And now she's really confused. Um, but what Jesus is saying is that for us, for all of our time here on earth, we're always gonna be thirsty. We're always gonna be yearning for something more, right? We're always thirsty. 
um, but that if we place our trust in Jesus, he promises that in eternity we won't be thirsty anymore. And Jesus sees us for who we are, just like he saw the woman at the well for who she was. Even though she was imperfect and her, her past might not have been you know, perfect, Jesus said, I will promise you living water. And so this is really our hope. This is our eternity. And so that's what I kind of wanted for us to take away. So we might have all these fancy waters here on earth. Um, and these are never going to really satisfy the way, the way that the living water would. Right? So that's what our takeaway is today. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for giving us water so that we can quench our thirst here on earth. But every time we drink water, God, we just, just remind us that you are our living water. And that you know, we may need water here and we may still thirst for things, but that your promises and your love will never leave us or forsake us. That uh, you know, through eternity, you're going to always quench our thirst that you are a living water. And in this, we pray and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Anybody thirsty? Water? Okay. So as they make their way, do you notice any difference on the bandstand here? Anyone notice any difference up here? That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Well, today we have Tanisha that's playing for us. Oh, don't act like you're shy. <laughs> you're playing for us. And we're just happy to have you sharing with us and sharing your gift with us. And now, I'm so blessed to have a wonderful team. I just need to say that. We don't say it a lot. But I'm so blessed to have people that are willing to just sing praises to God. And I'm so blessed and I'm happy about that. So we're going to continue to give God the highest praise. And I'd like you to join us. If you can stand, you stand. If you can't, it's understandable.
He's worthy to be praised. So one says, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord God is worthy to be praised. Amen, amen. Please be seated. My name is Pastor Lisa. If you'll join with me for this morning's prayer. Gracious God, the journey of Lent comes to us as a gift. It's a reminder for us to slow down, to unplug ourselves and be still and quiet in your presence, Lord. But it takes discipline for us to do this, and we are addicted to instant access 
and immediate responses. We're so used to being on that we've lost sight of our need for rest, for renewal, and especially for you. So we thank you for the spiritual discipline of Lent. We lay aside our calendars and our to-do lists and we focus instead on your gifts and your blessings. We stop long enough to say thank you instead of rushing around in a hurry and without any thought of appreciation throughout our day. We enter now into this time of centering. We come in humility before you, repenting of our sins. As we bow our hearts before you, we acknowledge the work of your grace in our lives. We are assured that this grace is granted to us in these quiet moments. We become vulnerable enough to hear your word for our lives. And we wait. We wait expectantly and patiently for you to speak and to make yourself known to us in new and surprising ways. We commit ourselves to you this day in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, as we continue in our worship, I invite the stewards to now wait upon us for our offering to the work of God. And as we do that, there are just a couple of things I'd like to highlight in the life of the church. I've been asked to mention that there will be a blood drive next Sunday. So please, if you are considering maybe donating blood, giving blood, um, have a big breakfast and um, come along. And that would really be... Um, really special for for us as we do that and then please don't forget that we have everything in the bulletin for you and if you need to know anything you can speak to Anne and if you'd like to advertise stuff you can speak to Anne I know that at the end of the month we have a family picnic that we're looking forward to so try and pop that in your calendars and we look forward to just having some fun together um, as we gather together as a family. I know that um, some of the youth are going tonight to the carnival. Um, so if you're looking to chaperone the carnival or if you're looking to ride on the rides, you can join us. Um, I have, some people have said like, no, we don't have to ride the rides as adults. You know, but I suppose we can ride the rides as adults. And friends, I'd like to just welcome people here that are worshiping with us for the first time or that are new. We're really um, excited to have you with us, and we'd love to get to know you a little bit more. But as we receive the offering in a moment, I'll ask Pastor Lisa to help me. I felt that it was, Christine, I zipped this from you. It didn't disappear. Like, by, you know, it's like, how did that happen? While my eyes were closed, my bulletin disappeared. Friends, I thought it might be a really good time for us to pause for a moment and to remember those that are not amongst us today. Sorry, Ben, um, and sorry to the online community. And maybe we can do that.
before we receive the offering by just closing our eyes in prayer. And perhaps I invite you in this moment to name the people that we remember that are ill and not able to be with us now. So let us do that together. God, we gather in community to receive the gift of one another that we are not whole when we are not complete. God, we know that there are those amongst us that are not able to be in the service today who are ill. And in this moment, we name them before you. Oh God, you know us by name. And we know, Lord God, that we are healed by your stripes. And we pray for those that are ill today, that the miraculous presence of your grace will touch them. We pray for those whose hearts are breaking and who feel powerless and anxious because their loved one is not well. We pray in this moment that you would comfort them. For you are God, our healer, and our provider. Lord, we receive the offering now to the work of your kingdom. And we thank you, Lord, that you have equipped us to be the hands and feet of the kingdom of heaven on earth. We pray, God, that we would be faithful with the offerings that we bring. And we pray, Lord God, that we would be faithful as a church in the how we spend the gifts given so graciously. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So before we move on, who's celebrating something special this week? Anyone celebrating a birthday? Miss Carolyn Paneer is celebrating a birthday. Oh, the barn is very good. So we just hope and pray that you have a wonderful and blessed. I know Carolyn is actually going away. Her, they're on, Paul and Carolyn are going on a cruise. So Lisa! Yay, good job. Okay, well, have a very, very blessed week this week, friends. And we're going to continue now, Michael. And in, I keep on, like, Michael just moves. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. So this song is a hymn, and I'm going to ask that we stand and sing it. We stand for the anthem. We can stand for the King of Kings who created you. Amen. Amen.
everyone. Friends, we come now to our scripture reading for the day. And we read from John's Gospel, chapter 4, and we read from verse 5 through to verse 42. He came to a Samaritan city called Sichar, which was near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his journey. <coughs> so he sat down at the well, and it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me some water to drink. His disciple had gone into the city to buy him some food. The Samaritan woman asked, why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, if you recognized God's gift, and who is saying to you, give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you don't have a bucket and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave this well to us and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go get your husband and come back here. The woman replied, I don't have a husband. You are right to say, I don't have a husband. Jesus answered, you've had five husbands and the man you are with now isn't your husband. You have spoken the truth. The woman said, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you and your people say that it is necessary to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you and your people will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You and your people worship what you don't know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But the time is coming, and it is here, when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. The Father looks for those who worship him this way. God is spirit, and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will teach everything to us. Jesus said to her, I am the one who speaks with you. 
just then, Jesus' disciples arrived and they were shocked that he was talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? The woman put down her water jar and she went into the city. She said to the people, come, come and see a man who has told me everything that I have done. Could this be the Christ? They left the city and they were on their way to see Jesus. In the meantime, the disciples spoke to Jesus saying, Rabbi, eat. Jesus said to them, I have food to eat. You don't know about. The disciples asked each other, has someone brought him food? Jesus said to them, I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing his work. Don't you have a saying, four more months and then it's time for the harvest? Look, I tell you, open your eyes and notice that the fields are already ripe for the harvest. Those who harvest are receiving their pay and they are gathering fruit for eternal life so that those who sow and those who harvest can celebrate together. This, this is a true saying, that one sows and another harvests. I have sent you to harvest what you didn't work hard for. Others worked hard, and you will share in their hard work. Many Samaritans in that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's word. When she testified, he told me everything that I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is truly the saviour of the world. Thanks be to God for his word. Isn't that just an exquisite piece of passage? It's like, let's all go home. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like enough, you know. I want to speak today about the well. I want to speak about the water. I want to speak about those women. I want to speak about worship. Okay. We're in the middle of Lent, and we are choosing a wilderness journey, one of our own choice, one that actually makes us a little bit more uncomfortable. Perhaps we've given something up, perhaps we've added something, we've been intentional, but we are on a journey, and we're already some days into our journey, and we do have a couple more days to go and a couple more weeks to go, where we are really intentionally seeking Jesus. We are looking to encounter Jesus in a new way. And this wondrous encounter of Jesus with the woman at the well teaches us a couple of things. Well, it first of all shows us what we want at the Christian beginnings. You know, in life there are very few times where you get a new start. But in this encounter of Jesus at, with the woman at the well, it is 
a Christian new beginning. And wouldn't that really be the greatest gift for us, is if all of our faith-given Christian new beginnings existed with such a space of grace and kindness. This new beginning. And so we connect to this story through the place, which is really important. It is a well. And it is in the heat of the day. So as you know, I've had to travel to London to get my visa so that I can remain legally in America. And it has been freezing in London. And as you know, it is not freezing in South Florida. And I came back to see a carnival um, here on the big patch of, of property that we have. And in the middle of the day, the rides were on and I could barely breathe, never mind go on a carnival ride. And in the middle of the day, it is suffocatingly hot. And here we have a woman who decides to travel to the well in the most inappropriate time. And we know why. Because she was scorned by her community. The other woman had said, there is no way we're going to have water when she draws water. I mean, they had made sure that, you know, they had rules and protocols already set in place. This time is not for you, sister. Pick another time. You're not coming near my husband. <laughs> Seriously? They're probably like, we're, like they were gossiping. Like that one, she's already had five, six. Who's going to be number seven? There's no ways that this woman was going to be, I mean, they don't like her. You know, that's just a fact. But I mean, the truth is everyone needs to drink water. So she needed to get to the well. Things were not really working out well for Jesus at that time. He was, he was already causing a stir in Judea, and the Pharisees were after him. So he thought, well, better I get back to Galilee. But on his journey back to Galilee, he made it very clear that he, it says in the scripture that he had to stop in this Samaritan town. He had to stop in this town. And so off he travels to this town. And, and we have to know that in, in this particular passage, there is so much information about what connects our humanity and our history. We know that the people of Israel were, were one of 12 tribes. And the tribes of Israel had separated from Judea. And, and the people were at odds with each other. And so over generations, and you know what it's like, that our history can keep us divided for one another. And we often pass on from one generation to another the offenses, the wars, the battles that we fight. And so the Samaritan people and the people of Judah were not at one, even though at, at some point they were one humanity, they were one people. And so we know that this well represented the history that they all had with Jacob, but they no longer shared a common history because time and wars and battles and differences in beliefs and opinions had shattered their unity. But Jesus intends to go there. 
We all know that wells, particularly wells in the middle of the desert, are the most important places because in a well is the place that restores life. It is a place where, where the community gathers. It is a place that preserves life. And so Jesus comes and he waits intentionally for this woman to teach her the mysteries of God. So I want us to think for a moment of how significant this well is for us. Because you see, when we come to this passage, we need to read this passage with two eyes. One, we read it through the eyes of what is happening in that particular place with Jesus. And another is we start to imagine, what is the well in my life? That's the allegory that we actually hold in this passage. One, it is this physical place that Jesus traveled to. It represented the history of the people of Israel. It is where he met a woman. But on an allegorical level, and particularly as we focus on our Lenten journey, we think to ourselves, what are the places that we go to that are significant for our lives, that are critical for our survival, that replenish and restore us, that are part of our community, that hold our history, because that's what's important about this particular context. That for every generation and for every people and for every, and for every denomination and for every church and for every Christian, there is a place that we go to that replenishes and restores us. For some of us, it's actually coming to church today. For some of us, it's literally coming and being in worship. So Jesus goes to this well, and he goes with the one purpose, and that is to teach the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And so I suppose part of what our search is for during our Lenten period is to think about where do we go to search Jesus' mysteries for the kingdom of God. Because all of us have a longing. Didn't you just love Kerry's incredible, I mean, I'm still thinking about, you know, I mean, how can you market water like that? <laughs> it's like... It's like genius. Like, you know, I'm going to go down the aisle in Publix just to have a look at the various branding on the water. But she kind of showed us, I mean, she just portrayed for us, and the children just showed us that, you know, quite frankly, we, all, we know we all need water. We know we need replenishing. We know we need restoring. We know we need a place in our Lenten journey, in our longing, where we find the mysteries of God. And so one of the questions I'm going to ask you to live with today in your Lenten journey is where are you discovering the mysteries of God? Is it in your children? Is it in your grandchildren? Is it in the gift of God's creation? Is it in a book that you're reading? Is it in your prayer life? Is it in your worship life? Where, is it, where do you discover the mysteries of God's transforming power of the kingdom of God on earth? So then the well becomes this place where we realize that it's not a simple place. We know that this woman is there in the noon of the day, in the heat of the day, really escaping the prying eyes of everybody else, and she finds Jesus. And now we enter 
this dialogue that is uncomfortable, the dialogue of discomfort. So the first thing Jesus does is he says to her, give me some water to drink. Now, none of us should be surprised by that. But if we were living in the ancient times, we would be thoroughly surprised by that because a rabbi, and Jesus was clothed in a way that he would have been recognized as a rabbi. A, a man would not usually speak to a woman, and a rabbi would most definitely not speak to a woman because he would be deemed to be unclean. And so he begins by speaking to her, and not only does he speak to her, he asks her something quite intimate. Give me some water. And you would almost begin to think that her answer should be quite different to the answer that she gives. You know, she understood her place, that she was the least of everyone in the town. She knew that. But she turns around to him and she gives him a history lesson. Just in case he had forgotten where he was. Why do you talk to me? You Jewish? I'm Samaritan. You seriously? You know the deal with this well? It goes back generations. And we've been fighting about, you know, worship. And I mean, she, she, she extends not only a history lesson, later on she gives him a theological lesson. I mean, this woman is quite something. She goes from history to theology. Now, just in case. You know, I mean, like seriously, like have you lost your mind? And then Jesus says something very pressing. He said, if you recognized God's gift. The well I'm asking you to struggle today with the deeper question about where do you discover the mysteries of God? But when it comes to the water, I'm asking you to think about where you recognize God's gift to you today. Where do you, how do you, what do you see as God's gift in your life today? And Jesus says, if, if you recognized God's gift, you would be asking him to give you living water. I think one of the challenges that this particular encounter shows us is that we can get lost in our history, in our bias, in our traditions, in generational narratives that we often cannot recognize God's gift in the moment. And that's challenging. And that's part of our Lenten journey, is we need to keep recognizing what's God's gift for me today. Jesus then continues to push her about giving water. And she gets very irritated with Jesus. And she, she almost, she kind of says, but you don't even have a bucket. You don't even have what it takes to get the water. And now you're telling me about living water. You don't have the means to get to this water that you are confessing is going to change my life. And I wonder how much of us get to that point where we actually don't believe that God has the means to become living water in our lives. Where perhaps we have not experienced the trust and faith that actually says, but you can bring me living water. 
but we're so busy looking for the things that are wrong that we are actually missing the gift of what Jesus is giving us in the gift that is straight in front of us. And so I invite you to seek another narrative for what God is giving you or what you are living through at the moment. While I was away, I, through the gift of social media and through being able to have WhatsApp and texting because my phone stopped working halfway through the trip, um, I was able to connect with some people in the life of New Horizon. And some people have really been struggling, and we know that. And really praying into the agony of that struggle at the moment. And praying for healing. And praying for a miracle. But I want us to remember that there is nothing that we face where God doesn't have what it takes to meet us in that place. And we, and we have to keep reminding one another about that. Jesus then goes on to really confront this woman. And that's the third place I want us to stop. But he really goes on to confront this woman about who she is. We can get stuck in the confusion about the fact that we're dealing with five or six husbands or the fact that she was clearly a, a person that had the worst possible reputation. I, I mean, that she was really somebody that carried a, a stigma in society. But ultimately, what we need to kind of hold to, because really the truth of the matter is this, it's very simple. If you're thinking about who Jesus, does, if you're thinking about what's important in the kingdom of heaven, just, just let me lay it quite clearly for you. Number one, this woman is the first person Jesus exposes who he is as the Christ, the very first. The woman of ill repute, bad reputation, pretty much worthless. So let's never forget that. She, she then becomes the first evangelist. Let's never forget that. She becomes the first evangelist who goes back to her town, and there are other evidence in the, the rest of the New Testament that shows that there was a huge community that, that came out of the town where she was. She preaches. She is confronted by who she is. If you have done any psychology today, you understand that we live with the shadow self. The shadow self is the self that we project into spaces. The shadow self is often the self that we run away from. The shadow self is the self that we are afraid of. But the truth is, when Jesus confronts her, he confronts her with the shadow self and her complete self. And he invites her to change. Who has a smart device watch? This watch of mine measures my steps. Who has a watch or some device that, that I mean, measures our steps? The other, when I did 16,000 steps the other day, I wanted to die. <laughs> like, I'm not, my brother-in-law said, I'm too old to, to move another inch. <laughs> we have a watch that has an artificial intelligent way of figuring out how we walk, where we walk. And we struggle 
with knowing the God who created us doesn't know us intimately? And so here is the gift of being a Christian. The God that we worship knows us. The God that we worship, the Jesus that we meet, the kingdom of heaven is one that transforms us and then sets us on an encounter of life where the mysteries of God's kingdom will meet us at every turn. I was staying with my daughter in East London, and I've never stayed in East London. And the one day, we were walking from the, uh, from the train station, and the next thing I looked up, and what did I see but John Wesley's house. Now, I have visited John Wesley's house before, but this was when I was staying in another part of the world, and I'm so unfamiliar with that geography. I had no idea that we were pretty much living right next door to John Wesley's house. So I took that opportunity to go and visit John Wesley's house regularly. One of the things that really touched me was the fact that he was so disciplined and he had such a transforming presence of the gospel in his life that he was 76 when he moved into that chapel. So, Paul, for you and the building team, I love the fact that they built a new church when he was 76. So, you know, any, that was good. So he moved into this new church. He moved into his manse at 76. He woke up every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. He called everybody else that lived with him because he had a lot of preachers to pray at 5 o'clock in the morning. One day, people missed the 5 o'clock in the morning. He then decided that there would be a new rule that everybody had to be in bed at 9 and would be up at 5. And he did all of this when he was 76 and 77, and he died when he was 87. I love the fact that his entire life, whatever season he found himself in, he looked for being relevant to preach the gospel. And so when we come to this Lenten season, we are really seeking to be the embodiment of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Jesus confronted this woman with who she was. And when she suddenly takes down the guards of the complaint, he begins to transform her and sets her out on a new purpose that is renewed day and day and day again. One of the other passages for today's reading is from the book of Exodus. When the people of Israel had left Egypt and they were traveling in the wilderness and they were thirsty and they were miserable and they needed water and they said to Moses, why have you taken us out of Egypt to die? And Moses goes and he seeks God and God brings water from a rock. And, and, and God begins to replenish them in the desert. And that story in Egypt is a reminder that God is in the business of freeing us from the things that enslave us. This woman was enslaved. She was imprisoned and isolated and truly rejected from community. And Jesus restores her. What does our encounter with the people that are rejected look like today? Because that's really what we discover 
as the gospel people. We are the first impression of the gospel for so many people. What does that look like? How does that feel? Let's pray together. Well, God, during our Lenten period, we are reminded that you loved us so much that you sent us your only son, that every one of us is known, that all of our stories are known to you right now. That the places where we feel enslaved, humiliated, rejected, you are there. That you actually come to use every single one of us to become the Christian hope for another person's life. Open our eyes for the first encounters that we will have that speak about Jesus. So that like the women at the well, we can bring others to you. Release us from the bondage of the places that enslave us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This song is called Total Praise. We look to the hills from whence our help come from. So this is going to be our closing song. Oh, you can stand with us if you can.
Christ at the wells that you visit. May his love transform you. May his spirit be with you. In Jesus' name, have a very blessed week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Please join us, friends, for some refreshments in the mission building, and we will look forward to seeing you in the coming weeks.